Hello and welcome to Pals Pulls. This is the Comics Pals Thursday night show where uh, we hang around and talk comics. No Marco this week. Uh, he's out gallivanting. Surprise, surprise. He's, he's, he's on fuckabout, right? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> walkabout. Sorry, walkabout. Walkabout. That's good. No, no, That's... you had it right the first time. Oh, okay, all right. That's good. Um, but Tyler's here. Oh, that's me. Hello. Sorry. Forgot my name. Cocktail so effect Kale. did not work on me. What's up? Hot dogs. And I'm Sean. Uh, we've got a good crop of books to talk about today. We've got uh, Batman, One Bad Day, Mr. Freeze, number one. Sean, show the spine of that. I want to see how thick that oh, thing is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. He's big. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we've got Junkyard Joe, number two. Deja Vu uh, for... The yeah. three of us, given that we read this a uh, couple of months ago now. Um, but we'll review it anyway. Immortal X-Men. This is number eight. I love this cover, by the way. Like, how cool yeah, is this? You mean Sherlock Holmes, number one. Yeah, right, right. Um, if you if you're not li- if you're not watching, uh, you should definitely go look at the cover of Immortal X-Men. Uh it's really good. Um, who's the cover artist on this? Is that uh, not uh, Mark Brooks? Yes, thank you. That is absolutely a Mark Brooks. Uh, and then we've got Gold Goblin number one. This was the listener pick. Um, if I had control of the fourth pick in the week, this would have been it. So we're serving the listeners and ourselves a little bit on this one. Um, and I have a lot of things to say about this comic book, I must say. When you said serving, I'm like, is he going to say we're serving cunt? But no, he didn't say Whoa! That. Wow, that is uh not like not like never mind, never mind, never mind. It's fine. That's intense. That's intense, I mean, listen, man. I'm serving that. But that's just <laughs> a weekly thing. That's not really. Well, Kale's serving something. And next week you'll be able to pick it up. Kale's got an announcement, and I'm gonna turn the floor over to him so that he can make it now. Go ahead, dude. Ladies and gentlemen, I've lettered a common writer book. I meant, to, oh! I meant to grab it and I forgot because I did get it. Booyah. Common Rider of the Manga, Volume 1. Did you letter it backwards? Yeah, I did. Nice. It's, let me tell you, it's real hard switching back to normal comics. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to imagine there's I still, a difference, right? I still, when I read stuff, read it the wrong way. Um, yeah, very excited for people to read this book and get Common Writer out into the world. Common uh, uh, Writer Kuga is the the first uh, writer of the the main Heisei era. Uh, it came back with a vengeance, like Doctor Who in the two thousands, and um, it's a this one's weird. It's a weird series. Uh, a group of uh, a cult of aliens decide to murder people and only one man can stop them. Is it this Kuga fella? It's this Kuga fella. Uh, but also next week. So I, uh, I did the lettering for this one. I'm very proud of it. Um, you'll, you'll notice if you look at it, that, um, when it when it comes out, you'll you know if you got Adam, you'll notice the same thing. Uh, it's just a, somebody named Jessica Burton is listed in there. 
It's just my pen name. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, but I also quickly want to shout out Common Rider Zero One, which is the uh, the hot new uh, title from uh, I think it's Stonebreaker Comics. They're working together with Titan to introduce the Rewa era of Common Rider into the world. Um, that's the the era we're in now. Uh, in terms of like I don't know the Japanese emperors or something. Uh, it follows the uh the show almost directly. Common Rider Zero One. Uh, it's about a, a dude who is the CEO of a cybernetics company, and um. He when he becomes common writer, he his mind is taken away and it's put into a robot, and that robot is common writer. Cool. Um, so the the show is all about the balance between AI and humanity, um, and it's really good. And so in this one, you'll see the cover on the screen. He fights a, a brand new original villain called Ragnarok. Um, awesome. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, congratulations to Kale. That's that's awesome. If you want to support Kale, uh, you should definitely uh, pick that up next week, right? This next is, week. This, yeah, next week. Um, Treat yourself so, to read it while you're avoiding your family at Thanksgiving for you Americans out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There mm-hmm. you go. Or if you have a good family dynamic, uh, read it with your family. Congrats Who doesn't to love a superhero tale, you know? Marco. Um, <laughs> speaking of Thanksgiving, I do have a programming note. Uh, next week is Thanksgiving, next week, Thursday. And so we will not be doing the show on Thursday. Uh, we will be doing it uh, Wednesday. So um, come hang out with us next Wednesday live on Twitch and YouTube at 6 p.m. Eastern to talk some comics. Comics, talk comics, then eat some turkey, you know? I was going to say, are you guys eating turkey? I'm oh, a yeah. big turkey guy. Yeah. Wait, you're not a big turkey guy? No, nah, I don't I don't I don't like that it tries to put you to sleep. That's shady. Dude, the itis, it's real. I don't I don't need that that tryptophan, you know, like I love it. I'm going to I'm going to have chili. Mm. All right. So, I mean, it's a winner. Yeah, yeah. It's a good you you shifted into soup mode already there, Kale? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's cold here. I'm more of a stuffing and potatoes kind of guy, you know. Last year, I had quail and sushi. That's what I had last year. Wow. Uh, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecomicspals. Support your boys. Get some pretty cool content out of it. We've got a lot of stuff over there. Go ahead and check that out. Um, and for everything else, at the Comics Pals, you know the drill. Let's talk comics. Batman, One Bad Day, Mr. Freeze, number one. Jerry Duggan, Matteo Scalera, and Dave Stewart. Darren Bennett on letters. Can I say what a creative team that is? Mm. That is a great creative team. And, you know, I love Mr. Freeze. I think, you know, I love Mr. Freeze as much as the next guy. Mr. Freeze is cool. I don't think I can't think of a Mr. Freeze story that came out after I started reading Batman comics. I can't think of one. Um He's kind of not really a presence, which is really unfortunate to me. 
Um, so I was looking forward to this one, probably at the in the within the top three of the one bad days that have been announced. And I have to say, this did not disappoint. I thought this was really cool. Um, I really enjoyed this. It was weird to see Jerry Duggan playing in, you know, <laughs> a completely different sandbox. Um, I don't know that I've read him writing Batman before, but everything felt right, except that I'm not sure how I feel about the change to Mr. Freeze here. Like, I'm not sure whether I want to criticize it for deviating too far from what we know of the character, or if it's actually a smart addition to the character that I like. I'm not, I haven't made up my mind on that. What in your mind is the change? Okay, that's a great question because it might not actually be a change. It might be a change that I'm thinking because I don't have as much comics familiarity, but I'm thinking that the change is that Mr. Freeze actually was not a good man. He wasn't a good husband and that his wife didn't exactly want to be with the man that he was and that he was at doing this as much to keep her finally caged um, as much as it was to bring her back. That this was, this isn't what he wanted, but that this is, he, he, he was kind of happier with her this way, having her caged than he was when she was really alive and free. I don't think these things are in continuity. So I think that's fair to make that because I, I, I agree. That's a change. That's a change uh, away from what we're used to in the animated series, which kind of like worked its way into the lore of Mr. Freeze. Um, yeah, without, hard advice. Hard advice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure these aren't in continuity, so it's like if it's not, have fun. Well, I, I want to say like that's fine. That's okay if it's not in continuity. Even if it is, I'm not really thinking too much about that part. I'm just thinking about what it what it says about Mr. Freeze's character and how much I like that compared to what I have already known and understood about him. And I want you guys to. Speak to how that makes you feel about Mr. Freeze. But I should say um, the work here is all quality. So I'm not criticizing that. Or I'm not even sure I'm criticizing at all. I just want to have the conversation. I, I will come out of the gate and say this was my big, my pick of the week. Um, mm. I really liked it. Um, yep. It's hard Absolutely. for me to have – it's hard for there to be a, a Mateo Scalera drawn book and it not be my pick of the week that week. I Ooh. fucking love Scalera and, and the way that he uh, – he draws this really classic-looking Batman. Like the colors are, yeah. It's animated series colors. Am I right? Like it, besides it's the close, it doesn't yeah, have gold emblem, but like the actual suit colors feel like it. Yeah. Um, and this kind of reinvention of a classic Robin suit without it being the creepy, uh, uh, you know, briefs. Um, They're not. It's it, it, it's like a it's like a weird. Almost uh, it, it almost feels like a, like a modern day Damien suit, but we all, like, we find out it's Dick at the end. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. uh, but that that change to freeze, I think I liked a lot um, because it, it it proves that he is kind of a bad guy, you know. Like he he's bad in the sense that like he's a bad husband, you know. Is he Arkham level Joker villain? Maybe not, um, mm-hmm. but uh, he's not. He he's he's nice guy uh, TM, you know what I mean? Like um, he's this super controlling, and that 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 subtle shift of like the reason he keeps Nora frozen is not to help her; it's to help him. It's it's just like it's just shifting it one degree the other way. Um, but because of that, it it recontextualizes the whole situation. 
Yeah. Um, it, it, it's him really controlling his wife and preventing her from, you know, being out living this life that he doesn't care to live. You know, he's consumed in his work, but he doesn't want his wife to be, you know, out there. You know, he's jealous. He accuses her of seeing, you know, he sort of accuses her of seeing somebody else. Um, I really like that. And I also liked how it gave Nora a little more character mm -hmm. um, than we're used to seeing. Um, but at the end, like, I, th I still think the core of him is still there. The core of him is that yeah. he does love his wife. It's just a little more skewed. Like, even at the end where he makes that that choice to um, give that research to Robin, um, mm -hmm. he does it because his wife told him to make a change. You know, he's still doing something for Nora. He's just a little more of a fucked up person, which I, which I kind of like. Um, I really enjoyed this issue, yeah. See, I think it was a bit more nuanced than uh, a change. You know, in the in the bits where he's accused of like uh, holding her hostage or whatever, I sort of read that as someone who is, you know, it, it, he's different from his wife. In that, you know, he's like an introvert or whatever. Um, but then, like uh, it, it really got me when. Uh, Robin accuses Freeze of um, being manipulative or whatever. Um, and uh, but I also had the thought that you know this is someone who doesn't fight. You know when when like one he's a scientist, and when he's not being a scientist, he's like a tank. You know, um, so I, I I guess I read it as, you know, this is a dude who is trying to live up to a bad guy reputation and he's frustrated that he's getting the shit kicked out of him by an eight year old. Um, <laughs> but I didn't I, I, I didn't see it wholly as like a, a change to the character. It It all felt pretty in line to me. You know, I could definitely see how. Uh, you know, Nora's family or whatever would have problems with Freeze. Uh, but this felt, uh, yeah, this felt in line to me. See, my thing is that I always, I always felt like, um, and 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 this is a great comment also by um, by Comic Boom in the chat, uh, referring to the fact that they feel less sympathetic to Mister Freeze after this issue, and I agree. At the core of the Mr. Freeze character is a creepiness that he would even do these things, right? That he would have his wife in this, you know, frozen state, but also a sympathy for him that he's doing it out of love and that his criminality is born out of a desire to genuinely help his wife. And it's more of a statement on his love for her than a weird obsession. This takes him into creep territory in a way that to me does change the way that I look at the character. Um, but at the same time, it probably does add an interesting wrinkle um, that reveals more about the character. So I'm in a torn place where I like it, but I don't. Um, but, but that's why I love this issue so much is that it's made me think and it's, and we're having this conversation about this particular moment. I think it succeeds in that, in that way, um, regardless of whether you like this evolution of the character or not. Um, but let's talk about some of the other stuff, because I like there's a lot to like here. Um, 
you know, the dynamic between Batman and Robin and Alfred is very fun. Uh, it feels like Jerry Duggan is having a lot of fun writing in this particular era of Batman's life. Um, Especially so, Alfred. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, assuming he could have made any decision he wanted as far as like which era to choose. Yeah. Um, he chose this for a reason, for sure. Um, and you mentioned Tyler, the uh, Batman the Animated Series. This would have been that time frame. A young Dick Grayson. Yep. Yep. Um, absolutely, this is that time frame. So, meant to evoke, I think, that time and the most relevant that Mister Freeze has ever been, for sure. Um, I've always enjoyed the Mister Freeze Batman dynamic. I like the idea that Mister Freeze is the one villain that Batman would rather help like in a genuine way he'd rather help him um he doesn't want them to have to fight and and in that way it is personal there's a moment where mr freeze says what about this could ever be personal and i think bruce i I don't know i don't know if this is an overread but i think that mr freeze is like a warped version of batman or of bruce wayne in the sense that like what would bruce do to be able to have the chance to bring his family back um, could he go as far as to be a Mr. Freeze? Would he kill? You know, would he do all these things? The answer is obviously no, but it's the way in which Mr. Freeze becomes a mirror version of Batman in that every Batman villain is kind of that. That's the way that Mr. Freeze is that. And I love the idea that Batman genuinely wants to save him. And because Mr. Freeze is so desperate to save his wife, him and Batman have to be at odds because Mr. Freeze has no limit on what he'll do. And Batman does. I love that. A couple other things I liked about this too, and, and, I, and I just looked it up because I knew it rang a bell because I knew Jerry Duggan did write Batman. He wrote Batman 34 during New 52, which was between Zero Year and Endgame during Star wow. with Scalera. I, I, I what? knew it rang a, a rang a bell. Yeah, where the, the serial killer in the beginning of this, the Meek, is mm-hmm. is in that. So it's a one-shot story about that character. Wow. Uh, back in 2014. Uh, That's a good catch, was, dude. This was during Black Science, and I was like, oh, shit, Scalera's doing Batman. I remember it was like kind of like a big mm-hmm. deal in my head. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew that rang a bell. But like this had uh, some great Alfred, like you said. The whole Christmas tree thing, this is a Christmas tree full of batarangs, was dumb <laughs> as shit. I loved it. Um, Starro at the top of it. Yeah, which uh, I kind of felt bad for Starro. I'm like, really, guys? Come on. Yeah. Um, but this thing had, had one of the things in it that I love in Batman stories, and that's an action figure costume. Um, it had the yeah. heat suit. Yep. Which I love when Batman just busts out some ridiculously ugly costume that's only for very specific reasons, you know, like like Lego Batman brought it up where he's you know sorting through all of his his suits and it's like oh yeah it's just a way of selling a you know another action figure. Um, I love when when Batman does that stupid stupid stuff. Uh, I was a big fan of that. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, if this feels like a a, a very complete Batman story. Like very complete. Yeah. Like if you I, took this, if this if this was animated, right? And if if the new animated series thing that they talked about doing, if that was if this was an episode of that, that would feel like a really great episode, I would say. Yeah. Like this is complete. As somebody watching the series again currently, uh, you know, like after we talked about Kevin Conroy last week, um, I agree. I agree. I would actually say this is probably my favorite one of these one bad day things. Hmm. Um I really like Riddler, but I think this is more my speed. 
now I'm going to strike back at that. Does this hold up to the premise? I think it does. I think it does. Yeah. Because we see his one bad day. It doesn't have to be in present the bad day, but we did see his bad day. But is the one bad day premise meant to evoke the killing joke, which is the Joker story, you know, where he ultimately defeats Batman? Um, I, to me, I like, I, again, and I think we've had uh, this, this verdict with m- most of these, with the exception of the Riddler, I think. He's a tremendous Mr. Free story, and I would agree it's certainly a bad day, but I don't know that it's the bad day. See, okay, all right, and now now that you've put it that way, I, I have an answer to that that is still, I think it works, but it makes me rethink the Penguin one, because the way this one ends, Mr. Freeze may, may be back in Arkham. But I still think he won because he got to evolve. He got to do the right thing. He got to be a better man. And I think that that is a win within the context of this character. Look at the way it ends. This dude is making snow angels and he's making snow angels. You know, I I feel like I, I, I feel like because of that and because it does it does show him it does show us his at his genuine one bad day, Um, you know, what started all of this. I think it succeeds. Tyler, you're muted. Uh, I, I I agree. I think I think it, 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 it. I still think it's a whole marketing ploy that only the first issue really had to deal deal with. <laughs> um, where I don't think uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if a lot of these stories were sitting in a drawer somewhere, um, as like just ones they can just punch in wherever they needed to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, if it's the one bad day thing, does it fit the whole, like, oh, this is Mr. Freeze's killing joke? Not really. Cause this killing joke wasn't even a comic. It was an animated series. So maybe this is a way of doing it as like, oh, this is his comic version. Cause like in terms of the comics, I think this is one of the more definitive stories I can think of in comics. Yeah, He's been really like he's been in movies, he's been in animated shows, and that's where like his iconic moments have been. Outside of like, I could think of when they redid him in, uh, I think it was like New Fifty Two. Yes. Uh, where he had hair all of a sudden. Um, that was it, it was something. Uh, and then like the the uh, the the White Knight stuff. They have some stuff there yeah. with him, but uh, yeah. In recent memory, I got, this is like, oh, freeze-focused, freeze-centric. Also, A Christmas Story. Great timing, guys. Great timing on that one. So Yeah. Well, it's freeze. I mean, that's going to happen. So according to howtolovecomics.com, uh, which is the closest thing I could get to a definitive answer without spending a ton of time on Google, uh, One Bad Day is a series of 64-page one-shots, which revolve around Batman taking on one of his classic villains over one day dc comics has promised that one bad day will tell definitive tales for each member of batman's rogues gallery so maybe i've been approaching this incorrectly nah no they marketed it they definitely marketed it evoking killing joke and and they 100 percent did yeah 
yeah, it said this says that there is a connection, but it's supposed to be um inspired by. Right. Which if DC had said that, I think people would be taking these differently. Yeah. But um I, I would almost prefer they just hadn't done all that marketing, but I, I get it, you know, money talks. Um, this is an obvious pull. It's a phenomenal comic book. Um really you should go pick this up. I think this might be might be one of my favorite single issues of the year. Hmm. Yeah. We have a comic boom on YouTube on the live stream asking anything. This is uh this would be popular popular enough to become main, uh, the mainstream interpretation of it. Uh, I think hmm. it is. I guess for comics, but like uh, a it's it, it I don't think they've really been pushing it on the advertising thing. Like my Twitter feed is not full of this. Um, I still think it'll be an anim- animated series. If you're asking specifically, is this the comic book definitive? Maybe. Uh, it's a little too early to tell, I feel. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I, I don't I think Mr. Freeze is on ice, um, to be honest. He's always on ice unless until I need a Christmas special like <laughs> and it's unfortunate. Uh, so from YouTube, we've got Roboters 100 who says, Compared to the others, I actually enjoyed Freeze's One Bad Day, which fleshed out a little more of Victor and Nora's backgrounds. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Um, I haven't read Riddler yet because I am I suck, I guess. Um, I got to get around to it. Uh, it's at the top of my pull list, I promise. Um, you said that for a month. That's true. Uh, actually, months. for God of yeah. War came out, Kale. God of War came out. That's it's The Listen pull list to is at the bottom of his to-do list. <laughs> last week? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not even close to beating it. Uh, let's shift gears and talk about uh, Junkyard Joe, my new favorite robot. Uh, mm. So Junkyard Joe number two, Jeff Johns, the incomparable Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, joined by Brad Anderson on colors with Rob Lay on letters. Uh, we read this many moons ago because uh, Mad Ghost provided the uh, the review copies Back when we spoke to Jeff Johns, uh, you can go listen to our interview with Jeff Johns, which was a two-hour-long epic. Um, the definitive Jeff Johns interview is how I like to think about it. You notice how other YouTube channels started getting him? It's like, yep. uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. I yeah, did yeah. notice that. So, yeah. so uh, incredible. Yeah. Um, but we, we were we were the first. So this issue uh, takes us into... I guess you could say like our real life present day, but not the present day of Geiger. So keep that in mind. Um, The first issue of Junkyard Joe took place during the Vietnam War. uh, And that saw Junkyard Joe basically be an angel uh, for these soldiers who didn't make it. Um, They all died, but one. Um, Muddy Davis is the only one that survived. And we see him now in the year of our Lord 2022-ish, where he has had a successful career as a comic book cartoonist. Uh, comic strip Sunday, cartoonist. Comic strip cartoonist in the Sunday Funnies. Um, and he is retired now um, and just trying to live his best life without his wife, which means he has no life. Mm. Um, and then thanks. He, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but he's old. Like it's kind of over. It's fine. It's fine. Just go past. Go past it. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then he gets a visitor. Um, he gets a visitor named Junkyard Joe. This is a phenomenal issue. I really loved um 
issue two of Junkyard Joe. I think on on any other week, this would have been my pick of the week. Um, I I love Joe, like the way that the way that they show him, um, you know, and, and you can see the reflections of things in his eyes. Those are such smart moments and choices by the creative team. Um, when jo- when Jeff Johns was on the show, he talked about how one of the things that they wanted to achieve with Junkyard Joe was that the character could kind of be whatever you wanted him to be and you could put your thoughts onto him. Well, when I look at him, based on the way he's presented, I think of him as a lost soldier. You know, he's a soldier who survived the war just like Davis did, and he doesn't know what to do. You know, he doesn't know what his life trajectory has to be. And so in this issue, he goes back to the only person that he really knows, the only person left. Um, and we don't quite know why that's not filled in yet, but I am so on the hook with this series. I love it. It uh, what sold this book to me uh, is the 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 moment when we uh, we know that Joe understands uh, that Muddy has lost his wife, and he you know he takes off his helmet and he you know uh, 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 bows his head or whatever. And I was like, okay, that's what this book is. Um, and that was it. That was that sold this entire series yeah. to me. Because of that, I will be reading this. Same for me. And I was like, oh, all right, this is gonna be a nice slower piece on, you know, grief and coming to terms with coming back from war as told through a robot's eyes. And then the next couple mm-hmm. pages were like, no, no, there's some secret shit going on too. <laughs> Um, yeah don't worry there's actual plot in this plot so uh yeah you can you can have that too i yeah i love this um issue three though is where it gets juicy no no spoilers but yeah, yeah. that's where it's yeah. like ooh, that's where that's where it feels good uh but i agree i love the fact that uh joe is this this mimic almost for for muddy and the other you know uh, for the reader honestly um and the other uh the injection of the family too uh was I'm getting that right. That was in this issue, right? I I, I, re- I yeah, yeah, through yeah. it again yeah. just yep. to reacquaint myself. Yep. Um, I think it's really good because now it adds strangely stakes. Like like where are the stakes when it's just Joe and this guy who's lost everything? You know, like sure they could build that, but now you have this like innocent family with you know mm-hmm. these likable, more modern you know archetypes of the kids and stuff. So it's like oh, there's all right, there's something to care about as well here too. Um, well, except for little Cartman there. True. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, I think Jeff Johns has been criticized for making popcorn comics over the years. Um, go ahead. It brings me to a question I had. Do you guys think Jeff Johns is the Steven Spielberg of comics? Oh, that's an interesting thought. And I, 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 I guess maybe like if you only considered the DC work, maybe you could make that argument. Um, Jeff Johns is very much a student of comics. The way that I feel like Spielberg was a student of filmmaking um, and makes quintessential comics the same way Steven Spielberg makes quintessential movies. Um, I think Jeff Johns is the child of comic books. I, I really do. The, the way Spielberg is the child of movies. I, I, I agree with that. I do think that. I don't think there's anyone else who more represents that that reality. Uh, Mark Wade says hi. But, um, okay. Uh, All right. Mark Wade. He's he's in more that conversation. So, more than him, though. I would say this would pull me, push me over to like, oh, this feels very Spielbergian. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he's he's 
you know, there's a bit of a meta commentary with like, this is a comic book creator uh, as well, you know, that he's injected in there. Mm-hmm. Um, which if, if, if Spielberg makes another goddamn movie about another filmmaker, um, <laughs> like the one that just came out, uh, it's literally his story growing up. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, that's, uh, I like that. I like that. And it's also like the stuff that he chooses to talk about is very American Americana. You know, yes. it's this, uh, some would argue maybe a little more, uh, white centric, uh, uh, idealized version of what Americana is, but I would argue that's Americana. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, yeah, I can, I can see that as well in this. Yeah, well, what I was going to say is that, you know, Jeff Johns often gets accused of making popcorn comics. But I think if you look at this, um, for me, there's a lot going on here across the first two issues. I feel like there's a lot going on. Um, You know, it's tugging at my heartstrings. But I also think that, you know, there's more under the surface of this entire Geiger verse um, in the interview. I got Jeff to talk a little bit about the fact that, like, yeah, this is about the reckoning of America's violent history, you know, mm. um, and there's layers there. So um, let it no longer be said that Jeff Johns doesn't know how to uh, layer his stories. There's more than just Green Lantern ring action going on. Um, yeah, this is phenomenal. Yeah. I'm 10 excited out of to 10. get to the, the issue that I haven't read for. So I have another month, but I guess the new year will bring new junk, Junkyard Joe to me. Um, I'll yeah. be able to see four, uh, three in color, though, so that'll be nice. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and without the editor, yeah. uh, editor uh, yep. notes oh, in it. I yeah, the yeah. Notes. Actually, I'm curious if we can go back and want, see the editor notes and see what changes. But never mind. That's that's for us. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I recommend grab, grabbing the uh, the trade, the Geiger trade. Uh, I haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet, but I have the physicals, so I'll get around to it. I know that was from you, Kale. Yeah. I, hey, I didn't. Thank you. I, didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd answer your question. You know, um, Robotter says John's can see in between the panels. I think his bread and butter is being an architect for event comics and seminal issues that puts the character's best foot forward. Yeah, I think that's what he's shown us thus far. Um, mm. I like that we're seeing something different in the Geigerverse. But everything that Jeff Johns writes feels important. Even when it's not in DC, that's how I feel. So, I also like the roadmap for the Geigerverse coming forward. Going forward, it seems like oh, each each of these things will be very specifically different. Um, right. So that's nice to see him kind mm-hmm. of flex different muscles going forward as well. Yep, like with different red, uh, red different artists as well. Yeah, red coat, which uh, he described as maybe being funny. Did, didn't he? Uh, yeah, a little, a little more yep. swashbuckly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh. Well. Let's jump into the past. Let's go into the distant past that is featured in Immortal X-Men number eight. Kieran Gillen, of course, uh, steering this ship steadily for the last eight issues uh, with Michelle Mikel Bandini on art, colors by David Curiel, Clayton Cowles on the letters. This is a puzzle for me. I, I, I don't I don't know that I like dislike this comic book, Um but I felt like there wasn't anything actually here. And I, I actually felt frustrated because I thought Kieran Gillen, and I say this with all due respect, spent the entire issue just trying to be clever. More so than trying to tell a story. This felt like it was answering questions uh, that maybe the greater X-Men mythos would need or, or, or would have. You know, like 
Mr. Sinister's origin, essentially. Um, why is the character named uh, uh, what's Destiny's real name? Um, it's the Ire- Irene Adler. Irene yeah. Adler. Why is she named yeah. after a Sherlock Holmes character? Oh, wait a minute. Um, so I feel like there's there's questions answered that have nothing to do with his ongoing run. Um, it, it feels like, yeah, we know Sinister is going to be a problem. And I know the, the Sinister event is coming up what, next month. Um, mm-hmm. So this felt like a weird stopgap that has like literally nothing to do with the previous seven issues. And I just feel like this whole Immortal X-Men thing has been hampered by event after event, quite literally. Um, so like I thought the issue itself was good. But in the placement of, of it, it's like, all right, why? Like, all it really does is add context to some of the dynamics here between Mystique, uh, Destiny, and Sinister, which maybe we need that going forward. Uh, but I, I felt it was a little weird. I, I, I'm done with the, like, let's be cute and make a reference to something that exists now so that you guys will get it. SX Men? Really? That was a little SX Men? Capital C cute, yeah. I oh man I that's one of the only things that writers do in comics that I just can't I can never accept because there's like it's just like the nth degree of like fan not even fan service just like you, no one who likes that we all know what you're doing right like it's, it's like not it's like when I make a reference or a joke on the show that only I get and it's only for <laughs> me you know so like I get it I get it Kieran I get it. I, yeah, I mean, I and I love uh, Destiny and Mystique. Like, I think I speak for most people who've been reading these books when I say that they've been two of the most interesting characters, regardless of whether you agree with their choices or not. Um, but when I think the X line needs forward momentum more than ever since the Hickman stuff started, this is not the issue that I think this series needed. Um, everything that happens here. Like the, oh, yeah, Irene Adler's or, or Destiny is Irene Adler because of X. And, yeah, she really is, uh, you know, that character from Sherlock Holmes. Like we all already inferred that. And it's not so explicit that if you don't know that stuff already that you that this means anything to you. If the name Irene Adler means nothing to you outside of comic books, what would you have learned from this? About that. Nothing, right? And SX Men, that's an irrelevant thing. Um, and uh I kind of feel like we know all we need to know about Sinister's past. We know all this. What don't we know? We know we know about these extra uh that's uh, the only thing we don't suit the, the clones. things. Yeah, that's yeah. the only thing we don't we didn't know. But like the idea that Sinister has clones. Is not something that, that I'm, that I'm, part we knew. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. It's like telling has... me like, oh, the jackal deals with clones. Did you guys know that? You know, like... and and by the way, before you knew he was dealing with clones, he was dealing with clones. Yeah. <laughs> also, like as soon as we saw like the 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 reveal at the, the last page of the cloning bat tubes or whatever, a flashback to that freaking uh, location in Marvel Snap. I was like, yo, that's my favorite one. That's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> that's um, funny. But also, it's like, I, that didn't look contemporaneous with the times. It was like, all right, uh, you kept everything in, in time. And then it's like, oh, but he can make cloning vets all of a sudden. Like, you, you really wanted to stick to the time frame there. And then you kind of threw it away at the last second. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, they show his butt in this. That's, that's something for you guys there if you want some sinister cheeks. Some sinister booty. 
Um, cheeked up on a Thursday. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, in response to Roboters in the chat, I, I, I love Sinister, you know, and I, I'm endlessly thrilled with seeing this, the, the things that Sinister does in the margins. Um, mm. But it's a time and place thing. And I just don't feel like this was the time or the place. And again, I just I think the X books have kind of been languishing. They got swept up in AXE, which wasn't, you know, in my opinion, wasn't very good. Um, and then this just doesn't really add anything too dynamic. Um, the work is always good. That's never the problem with Gillen. I just I just don't know that I came away from this knowing anything that I was curious about or caring about the things that the book is telling me in the moment. I'm actually way more compelled by finding out what the heck are they going to do with Sinister after the stuff he did in AXE Judgment Day? Mm. You know, where the, where's all that going? So this feels like a derailment. It, yeah, it feels like filler and setup for what's coming. And, and that's all. Like, this didn't feel, like, I think it, is probably supposed to be like a a pause after this massive event or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, like you're right. Like it's fine, but it's not what it's not what the flagship book should be. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm I'm having uh, a lot more fun with X-Men currently than this, which was the inverse previously. Which I think is funny because X Men is the superhero comic more oh, so. I mean, me like me like a superhero book, surprise. Sure, but I think we all anticipated, um, which has been you know largely true of this series that it would it would have more depth and be the more compelling book, whereas X Men would be more fluff. I actually think some of the like mystery stuff that X Men has done has been really good too. Um, Whereas, I don't know, I, I, Gillen has a lot of rope with me, especially in this particular series. But um, for me, this was a bit of a stumble. The art, though, is real good. I really enjoyed the Bandini art here. I like the uh, the uh, how Bandini kind of displayed uh, Mystique's powers. It was always like uh, he, he, they, they always put a shot in of her mid-transformation that right. I enjoyed. Yeah, that is that is cool. Uh, we all know what Mystique does, but showing it in that way, I think if nothing else, um, it just made her made her powers a little bit more visual. Because um, just turning into another person from panel to panel is not that visually compelling. Showing that in between time, that's kind of more interesting. Um, so yeah, I agree with that. I I'm gonna say. Pull, I guess. I mean, if you're already on the hook, you know what you like or don't like about this series. Um, this issue is not bad. I just didn't it didn't resonate with me. But I'm still enjoying the overall like immortal X-Men ride. So um, this is just a miss in an overall good series to me. This feels like uh, and I'm making an, uh, an anime reference here, um, which surprise. Uh, but this feels like filler, like a filler episode. Yeah, you know, like when the anime is, you know, you know, uh, I guess too close to being contemporary with the manga. I think that's what, like Naruto yeah. did it. That's all. That's all I remember. I'm not. I'm, I'm in over my depth. Marco's not here to save me. Yeah, it's a beach episode. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Or those random like X-Men the animated series episodes where they would flash back to something irrelevant like hey remember that every time episode? we went sorry <laughs> like every episode <laughs> well every, yeah every episode in the third season that's for sure yeah. they, they treated this show like a soap opera they had to recap everything during the episode mm. hey listen to me that's one of the best animated shows ever oh i, like, I don't that, disagree i don't disagree that first season is so good oh my god uh, uh let's yeah pass for me me too. Pass. I I've been yeah I've been out on Immortal X Men for a while and was not still hasn't done anything for me. Mm. Yeah, maybe I was being a little generous with the pull. Um, you you probably wouldn't be missing anything if you didn't read this issue. Like in terms of knowledge, you need to have going forward. You you probably would be fine if you didn't read this one. Let's talk about Gold Goblin number one. Um, by somebody who's been on a bit of a hot streak lately, Christopher Cantwell. Hell yeah. With art by Lam Medina, Antonio Fabella on colors, and Joe Sabino doing the letters. This is the return of Norman Osborne to a glider. Um, he is the gold goblin now, and he is in his redemption arc. But my question is, and I think the question this issue is posing to some degree, is does a character like Norman Osborn deserve a redemption arc? Guilt is the the antagonist of this comic book. Uh, Norman Osborn is struggling with the sins of his past. And um, so much so that he's being confronted by that um, in projections. You know, the, the scene that I think floated around social media as buzz for this comic book, where Norman is on the elevator riding with the ghost of Gwen Stacy or the image of the ghost of Gwen Stacy um, deep down into the pits of the building that he is in, um, AKA his soul. Uh, I thought that's all great, but I have a fundamental problem with this comic that I can't shake. And it's the reason why I will not be buying issue two. Uh, there can't be a redemption arc for Norman Osborn. I do not believe for me that a character can kill the primary love interest of their foe and be redeemable. The idea that Peter and Norman are sharing page space and just hanging out, talking. Nope. I can't do that. I can't do it. I don't care what the reason is. This is not acceptable to me. And although the craft here is very, very good and I respect it a lot, I can't accept the premise, and so there's no reason for me to spend four dollars on this comic book going forward. So, well, what do you? He had his sins eaten. <laughs> is that what? Right. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? I fuck if I know. <laughs> I guess the I guess the rim goblin didn't really uh, uh doesn't really uh. Well, I don't like that. Roll off the top. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I don't like it. <laughs> okay, so Sean, I'd argue. I'd argue. You're saying, no, I don't want to read this book because of the premise, but I'd argue that it, the premise is going to be that, no, he can't be redeemed. Um, if you read the the letters in the back, it talks about how, like, oh, Norman got his sins eaten. He's, is, he, is he perfectly fine now? And, and Camel says, no, he's not. He is still unhinged. It's just skewed different. Um, right. And I think I like that idea. I like the, the, the way they, they use Norman's guilt here is brutal. Um, it is the, the, the amount of times they show Gwen Stacy dying. It's, it's nonstop. 
it is throughout multiple pages, multiple panels. You see the snap, you hear the crack. Um, it's very, um, it, it works in, in a really messed up way uh, because they're really th shoving it down your throat. Like, oh, you, you're going to have to relive this constantly as the reader because Norman is constantly having to relive it. Um, and, and, and that, that idea like, oh, he's finally feeling guilt for the first time. I don't think that necessarily means he's going to be redeemed, but I think it's an interesting, uh, uh, wrinkle to the character. I mean, he's still seeing the goblin, you know, that's still there. Um, in my mind, it's like, oh, his sins have been, uh, uh, kind of eaten and he's been, uh, healed in a way. But I think this is only just the new, the, the, the beginning of a new goblin. You know, I think I think that's the that's the whole point of Norman is that he cannot escape who he is. He cannot escape the goblin. Um, and I think this story is going to be the the genesis of that. You know, whether or not he's a hero. No, can't happen. Won't happen. Um, I, I, did you read um, Kelly Sudeconics and uh, Emma Rios? They did a uh, Osborne mini. Um, I did not. It was post Dark Reign. Fantastic shit. It's just like. Oh no! This is pre-Dark Rain, I believe. It's uh, it's weird. Um, real good stuff. Um, and I, I I love a good Norman Osborn, you know, limited or mini series. I think it's a great character that that writers can really chew on, and I think Cantwell is a great choice for that. Um, the reason why him and Peter are so chummy, 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 we don't really know yet. Um, in Amazing Spider-Man, we had that time jump, and yeah. between that time jump, something happened between them that they've been Peter's at least accepted that Norman is trying to be a changed man. So Peter being the nice guy, he is, um, he's trying to, trying to accept that. Um, I like this a lot. I thought this is great. Uh, I green goblin is like top three characters for me. So, um, yeah, I will definitely be sticking with this. It's fun. I, I uh, yeah. uh, uh, I was kind of bored by this. Really? Okay. I I personally feel like we've seen this before. I and you know I I I have you know a pretty a pretty long history with Spider-Man comics, and I've I've seen Norman Osborn be guilty. I've seen him be chummy with Peter. I've seen him kidnap Peter and then be chummy with Peter and then feel guilty and then turn the corner all in the same issue. I this doesn't. The only thing that's new here is the costume to me. Um, and then him going up against, you know, Jack O'Lantern or whatever, like, okay. I mean, it just seems like the spider era to right now, it feels like it's all goblins and Spider-Man's even a goblin right now. What the hell is going on? I just, yeah, to me, the, the guilt here, it's, it's all just work. I mean, it, it's a good examination, but it's all stuff we've seen before. What reason could Peter possibly have to say, okay, yeah, Norman Osborn is someone I should operate with? Like, I'm, I'm really, I think not showing us that is making this even harder for me to accept. And like, mm. everything that you said, Tyler, is is compelling um, as a story. But the way the issue's constructed, I feel like it's asking you. Maybe it's not asking you. Maybe it's just the nature of the way human beings take story in. Or maybe it's just me. I think the book is saying, hey, here's a guy that maybe you should have sympathy for. And I can't do that. 
We see him agonizing over the way he feels. He's the primary POV. So if he's agonizing, I feel sympathetic. That's my natural human reaction. And I don't want to feel that way. It's not a, it's not like, um, it's not a sin on the part of the creators to do this. I'm not saying that this yeah. can't exist. I'm saying that I, I draw that line right there at sympathy for Norman. Done deal. No way. He's arguably the worst person that Peter Parker has ever encountered. No way. Because the, the flashbacks that Norman has of all the things that, you know, uh, he's ever done, like all of those things, like Peter was also a victim in all of that. Yeah. Like aside from the victims of all of that. I, I was like he feeling, did all of those things directly to Peter. I wasn't even I wasn't feeling sympathy for him though. I was maybe feeling empathy for somebody feeling guilt, for, you know? Um but I'm rooting for Norman to like not be good at the end of this. Like I'm rooting for his downfall. I don't like seeing him like this. Um mostly cuz I, I love Green Goblin. He's a, one of the most evil fucking characters in Marvel. Um so oh, and that's another coming at it from a different angle. Yeah. That's another thing for me. It's just like, well, he's going to be the Green Goblin in 10 more minutes. Like, dude, the cover has a Green Goblin right below it. You know, like, that's it. Like, <laughs> I want to be a better comics fan than what I'm saying right now. I want to be a better consumer of, you know, media than to say, ah, can't accept the villain going good. Can't read this anymore. But I come on here to tell you what I really think. And that's where I'm at. Like, I do think this was quality, and I'm sure that this will be a very good run. The same way I couldn't read Superior Spider-Man, I cannot read this. I, I guess I haven't changed. But Norman Osborn cannot be the star of a book that I'm reading. I just can't do it. Read, read that Osborn, Evil Incarnate. It's good stuff. <laughs> Maybe I'll but give he, it a in, chance. In that one, he's actually a villain. True, yeah, yeah. Like, it's you know, it is what it says on the tin, like... Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of talking about what happens in this book, uh, it's sort of a lot of Norman's internal monologue dealing with what we're talking about right now. Um, and then him fighting Jack-O-Lantern, who was the jobber of like anyone who's not Spider-Man that needs a jobber gets Jack-O-Lantern. Spider-Man gets like shocker. Agent Venom. This was like his his Green Goblin. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That and which I really enjoyed. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I love I love Jack O'Lantern there. But um, yeah, all that's good. Like I I was pleased to see Jack O'Lantern. I'm always happy to see that kind of C list uh, Spider Man villain appear. It's very fun for me. Um, but yeah, like all all respect to the creators involved. I think the craft is great. This is where my ride ends with Gold Goblin. And maybe I'll hear that it's so good from Tyler down the road that I'll say, you know what? I got to go back and buy the trade. But all these years down the line, I have not done that with Superior Spider-Man. Oh, is it, so uh... is this Spider-Man related? Like this this, this um, hardiness, I guess? Dude, here's the thing, bro. Spider-Man is like he's probably the hero I care about most in terms of like when I read about what's happening in their life, I care most about what's happening to Peter Parker. And his the his enemies hurt him very personally. And since I care about him so much, I can't look past 
what they've done to him to accept them in any other role. I don't feel like his villains can be redeemed. Like I could read, I mean, I can't read Joker because I'm not allowed to, but I have a cousin called Bean Sartley that did read Joker and said it was great. And I like that. That sounds good. What? How's Bean doing these days? Wonderful. Loving the uh, the new Joker book that came out. Oh, good. Good for me. Goddamn poor is how he's doing. (laughs) But but for I think for Joker or rather for um Peter it's different. I think Norman is too cruel of a man, and I don't believe and I I think we know for a fact that he didn't start being a bad guy when he took the Goblin serum. He's not the lizard. He's not any of those people. He's not even Eddie Brock, who was just a creep in a sleaze before Venom entered his life. He's a bad man, and I can't read about that. Oh, but I feel like this is what that book's doing and saying like. He's not good, and this getting his sins eaten doesn't cure him. I don't but know, he I'll, wants I'll, it. I'll, I'll report back to you. I'll report. Fair back. enough. I'm very, Fair I'm enough. very Norman biased though. So like, I love Norman. If yeah. this, if this book was about Norman Osborn, right? But he was just bad, and that was that was the premise. That I if would. It read. was a, if it was a seven dollar Green <laughs> Goblin book, Bean Sartley would be all over this. Sure. Yeah, my cousin would eat it up. Yeah. Um, He'd be I gobbling it up. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to pass. Like, it's a great, it's a really, really strong comic book. If you don't have that same bias that I do, I encourage you to buy it. Christopher Cantwell's doing great work. I think the art's solid too. But for me, I cannot continue with this comic. For me, it's a pull. Um, but like, that's also like my top three are Daredevil, Doctor Doom, and Green Goblin. Those are my big three right there. So, like, uh, take that with a grain of salt. Wait, what? My fourth that's is Cyclops. Your t- that's your top three? Yeah, and then add, add Cyclops to four. Um, What's wrong with this top three? We should do this as a show. Like, we have we have, have you guys ever done that as a show? Nuts. No, we haven't. That's, that's, that's a fun that is evergreen. a wild combination is what I'm saying. Uh, uh, guilt, I guess, is involved in most of them. So, um Says a lot about me. <laughs> All right, so you're obviously pulling this. Uh, Kale? I might wait out the trade. This uh, didn't do anything for me. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. I, I want one criticism real quick. That suit, not feeling it. That's not a good suit. That's It's nasty. Well, see, I like the suit. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> is this guy? Is this a new common writer villain you're talking about? It sure looks like one. <laughs> yeah, he literally looks like a a Power Ranger. Yeah, like if this were if that were a Power Ranger suit, that'd be pretty sick. But the fact that it's I'm you know all sure normal is a there. Power Ranger suit. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, like, I don't uh, like how he's got the the friggin' Eye of Nazoth on the top of the glider, like the. <laughs> Like some weird what? Lovecraftian stuff going on there with like old God's <laughs> eye. World of uh, Warcraft I have Mordor. reference. Is that a better reference? I don't know. Oh Sorry, I got Warcraft God. in the brain right now. So, uh, did you get into the beta for Dragonflight? Uh, it comes out next, like in two weeks. It's 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 the pre patch is live, Sean. We're 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 in it right now. Oh okay. All right, uh, but yes, it did get into the beta. I just don't play betas because I don't like replaying things. I I feel that. Um, I am excited for the Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur book that they teased in here, though. Uh, the ad for that book. So I'll be buying Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number one. Those books have been pretty fun when, when uh, previously came out. 
I think I like the first volume. Yeah. Yeah. Good cards uh, too in Marvel Snap. <laughs> yo, that's why I'm excited. I'm yeah, not even gonna lie to you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my brain has been snapped, so I'm all in on that game. Uh, but that's it for our reviews. Hopefully you enjoyed them. But we're not done. The show's not over. Because up next, we have Comics Tag, where every single week, one of us tags another one of us to read a book that we choose. And that person has to come on the show and give their thoughts on that book. And then they get the power to tag someone else. So last week, Marco tagged Tyler and then did not show up. To listen, so like I'm gonna talk about uh, uh, I am a hero by Kengo Hanazawa. But have you guys read it? Probably not. No, I haven't. No, I Uh, I listened to the the almost the entire synopsis uh, on a trip to Chicago with Bouchard, though. Oh, really? Okay, (laughs) so I I feel like I know it. (laughs) So, uh, granted, um, he gave me the first volume, I didn't get I didn't get through the full first volume, Uh, you know, I have. Warcraft patch out, but I did read the first two issues of it, um, and I will say um, it is uh, the the claustrophobia that uh, that Hanazawa manages to to uh, inject into this book is uh, you feel it. Um, mm. The first two issues, I think, towards the latter half of the second issue, he finally leaves the house, but like this dude is like locked in his house. Um, the 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 angles that they that he chooses to to illustrate things in are very weird, um, you know, uh, you know, recently passed, but uh, Kim Jong Gi, uh, an artist known for some weird ass uh, perspective, hmm. um, I got a lot of that out of this. Um, there's some grudge like horror in this as well that I thought was really good. Um, will I keep reading it? Uh, Maybe on a plane or something like that, you know. Like I, I got Maybe a lot of American when... books to to keep reading, uh, but I recognize that it was it, it's good. Um, but Maybe I, I when Dragonflight gets boring. Uh, so like two weeks in, um, yeah. but <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, no, yeah, this is um, it's it's good craft. Um, I I will probably uh, um, eh, I think I'll read it eventually, eventually. Okay. I guess it's my turn to tag someone, right? Indeed. And luckily, Sean's here. Oh, um, what do you got for me? So my, um, so I'll admit, my tag was going to be mean. <sighs> Why? It, it, it I've was. never, I've never ever given you a bad tag. Well, I like to tag with a book that comes out next week, uh, and it just so happens to be that Miracle Man number two comes out next week. Nah, so dude, I, I was tempted. <laughs> I was tempted, uh, but I figured you'd protest, and it'd be a whole thing, and it'd be. A, <laughs> A mess. Um, so I'm going to give you a boon here. Um, All right. I'm going to force you to read that Riddler issue because um, I want to oh, know your one. opinion. On yeah, it. and I've one. been annoyed the fact that I have not heard your your take on it so far. Yeah. So. All yeah, right. Okay. I now like you that. You have tag. a reason to get to so, that to read file. So Tyler has tagged me to read One Bad Day Riddler Number One. Uh, Tom King, Mitch Jarrods. Uh, I will do that, and I will present my thoughts here on the show next Wednesday. If you wanted to catch us live, uh, which so, I won't uh, be here for, but I'll, 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 I will, I'll listen. Tag and dip. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. So. Tag and dip. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say, like- before we get into pals pulls, I did want to say huge shout out to YouTube. Um. All you guys watching live and all the comments, you you guys have been great. So thank you for that. 
Um, and keep that up. We really appreciate it. Uh, Twitch too. You guys are awesome. Keep showing up live. We love the, the interplay on this show. Um, on all of our shows, if we're doing them live. Um, but even if you don't want to catch them live, just tune in. We appreciate it. Uh, subscribe wherever you can. Um, we appreciate all that support and cool stuff like that. Um, Tyler, why don't you bring us home with Palace Pulls? Yeah, so uh, Palace Pulls, um, I apparently picked the most uh, blurry picture of this cover. Uh, but uh, ni- uh, Once Upon a Time at the End of the World is a new Jason Aaron book. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Lowridge mm-hmm. and jeez, uh, oh, the picture is so blurry. I can't even see who the artist is anymore. Uh, yeah, I'll, someone, someone vamp for me while I uh, yeah look up look up the artist. I, I actually remember we talked about this on the show. Yep. Um, and it's like a different artist every issue type of thing. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm I'm actually really excited for this too. Um, I can't it's, remember. Uh, boom. Jeez, uh, this is a, it's a boom fucking uh, Alex- Lee, Alexander Tefenk. Lee Lawfridge, oh, Nick Dragota, yeah. yeah. Rico Renzi, mm-hmm. Alexander. I can't read that second one. Alexander Tefenki. Tefenki, yeah. Yeah, that's, yep, that's going to be good. I haven't read a Jason Aaron creator own book in a while. Remember Southern Bastards? That book ended great. Definitely ended great. That definitely had an ending, that book. And it wasn't derailed okay. by anything else. Yeah. Um, what are you alluding to? It didn't. It, didn't it, it never ended. They never finished it. Um, they really never finished yeah, it? Yeah, and then there was some Latour stuff that, you know, happened. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, that never finished. It's, it's, it's Latour you don't like, right, Sean? Or is it Aaron? What do you mean? I like everybody. <laughs> Right. Next okay. book. Uh, Marvel, uh, yeah, so Doctor checking. Strange. Uh, this was uh, what is the the, the subtitle? Of this Fall Sunrise. There we go. Um, this was my pick and also Kale's pick uh, because it's Chad Moore oh, yeah. doing, doing fucking Doctor Strange. Oh, like that's come all. Come on. And this, I mean, even the cover alone looks so cool. It, it uh, it's Chad Moore style, and it's got um, got these flat colors there's almost no shading on on this cover at all it just looks so cool i have no idea what it's gonna be uh but it's gonna be entirely trad Moore. and listen after uh luther strode and uh ghost rider i'm Solar in man. black yeah all right see i didn't read that i should have it's crazy uh, I, I don't mean this is a knock but this, this cover kind of feels like yeah uh, when i was a kid i'd use ms paint and I would just use like yeah. a tool to like make a whole bunch of like lines and <laughs> it, stuff, and that would fill anyone different colors, you know. <laughs> Paulina Ganesho uh, recently rejoined Tumblr, and she uh, she posted a side by side of um, a book she's working on now with and it's it's her OCs um, now versus in you know when she was thirteen or whatever. And this looks a lot like her OCs when she was 13. <laughs> uh, but I love a good stylized Tradmore book. Uh, yeah. uh, then, then, Kale, you also picked the aforementioned Miracle Man number two. We're almost at the new issue. Three is the new issue, right? I believe three would be it the, is? the unreleased issue. These were the remade okay. ones. Yeah. So, yeah. We're almost there. I'm, I'm still here. I want to see what's Me up. Too. I want to see what's yep. going on. Um, I like Miracle Man, so. Me too. I'm actively looking for an affordable copy of the Omnibus at this point. 
Um, I also pre-ordered a Goodbye. Savage Dragon omnibus. So 2022 comic book Tyler mm. is uh, is a changed man. Well, is I feel like I I know your influences, and I don't I don't know about this. Oh oh no, this is bad influence. Oh no. Yeah. All right. Well, that's something you, to talk you about. You just said next week. you're looking for an affordable omnibus, and you've ordered a all Savage right, right, Dragon all right. omnibus. All right, Dad. <laughs> all right. Well, Sean, Human Target, Book Nine, Tom King, Greg, Greg Smallwood. Uh, we didn't talk about Book Eight, but uh, yeah, we didn't talk about Book Eight, but I actually read Book Eight anyway, and uh, it was phenomenal. So, I mean, I see this cover right. No, we didn't. Um, we I see this cover for nine, and it's got uh, Human Target in the shadow of Batman. So I'm really excited. For some reason, this reminds me of like Scooby Doo team up, and Bat the you know Batman coming on board. I'm really okay. pumped. Um, uh, I'm interested to see what Tom King has to say about Batman in this context. Um, because mm. this is very different than like mainline you know continuity stuff. So. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Art, the art of the the cover is giving me kind of vibes of like like early Hollywood movie posters, like a bit mm. of Vertigo. Uh, I forget the guy's the 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 artist's name, but uh, yeah, this I like the cover a lot. I have to read eight though, so yeah, cool. Uh, that's, that's it. That's yeah, all we got. Marco ain't here. He don't get nothing. So that's right. I don't get nothing. Them's the breaks. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Palace Pulls. We really appreciate you. Uh, if you want to submit a book for the listener pick for next week's episode or ever, all you have to do is leave us a comment. It doesn't matter where it is. We'll see it. And uh, if it's at the comics pals somewhere, if it's a YouTube comment, if it's on our discord server, we'll see it. And we will, uh, we will add that to the list. And we'll pick whichever one we want to do. Um, thank you for those of you who submitted Gold Goblin this week. And we look forward to seeing what you guys pick next week. Um, on Wednesday, if you wanted to catch us live, we will be live on Wednesday, not Thursday, um, on Twitch and YouTube at the Comics Pals. Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. Uh, so come hang around for that. We're going to be interviewing Casper Wingard and... Um, and uh oh my god, I'm blanking. Alex Alex Packendell, thank yeah. you so Pac-Nadel. much. I got it. Yeah, I got it. looking that's, forward to that. That's why you have co-host. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, come join us for that and all the fun stuff we've got coming down the pike. Thank you for listening. Until next week, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>